0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds today. We've got a a digital jack of all trades. We have Jared. And please, will you just, will you pronounce your last name so I don't butcher it? Oh, it's uh, Medeiros. Medeiros. You know, because I I would probably say Medeiros or something. And, you know, I just don't want to do that to you. Phil Phil's pretty easy to pronounce, man. Uh, really appreciate you being on the show. And... Well, first of all, I'm just going to come right out and say this. I'm just going to ask you, what is informatics? And I'm feeling dumb for not knowing this. Maybe I should know this, but I'm just going to let you speak to that and why uh, you're so passionate about
1: that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny. When you and I first talked I, and, you, and you sort of asked me that question, I, I actually looked it up because I didn't really – I'd never really thought about <laughs> what is Infomatics? Um This is and, what I do. Let me look it up. Hold on real quick. Yeah. Well, that's that's ninety percent of IT is just being good at Google, right? So that's, yes, uh, I'm a better Googler.
0: I'm a better Googler than you. I tell my wife that I was like, "Give me the phone, hurry up!"
1: Jeez. How I, that's how I get to where I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. So informatics, I, I guess, in different countries, it means sort of different things, but generally within the life science industry, it is the software and the technology around managing scientific data. Mm-hmm. Um, I think generally it's used as like a, a term for the study of data transference or data processing or something along those lines. But, you know, within the life science industry, we sort of, um, it's pretty much just dealing with the, the scientific data, right? Cause we're, we're as life science companies generated a, a ton of data. Um, for
0: example, I'm sure there's a lot of data on COVID nineteen testing and uh hopefully uh we're getting that accurate because data is only as important as it is as how we enter it as well, correct? Oh yeah. Yep, absolutely. So I hear uh I have a I have a friend in jujitsu that runs a very large um I guess I don't want to call it healthcare. I guess it's healthcare, you know, retirement communities um, that works in conjunction with the hospital. And he just says, you know, the data, um, you know, a lot of people may or may not have gotten sick from, you know, COVID, but it's definitely been, it's definitely been um, input as a COVID-19, you know, anyways, I, I don't know where I'm going. I just made me think of that, you know, as far as data, but give me, give me some examples or give me something that you've been very involved in that, um, I guess we would, we would put informatics, um, or I'm sorry, informatics as a title on top of that and how it made a difference from a, you know, technical nerdy scientific perspective.
1: Yeah, so you know, informatics and particularly with scientific data management, it's it's sort of the evolution from, you know, back in the day we would have paper lab notebooks, and as you were doing experiments, you would just be writing in your notebook. Um, and then, you know, as as computers started to become more prevalent, people started using Excel uh, to sort of put some of that data together rather than you know a piece of paper and a calculator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that well, Excel is a database, right? <laughs> anyways keep going that's a whole that's a whole other topic for conversation but basically the the, all of it's evolved from that towards you know dedicated software systems that are covering the needs of what people used to do in a a scientific paper notebook um you know when We, you know, at at these companies where we're investigating, trying to find new drugs for diseases that don't have any sort of cure or any sort of drugs that that treat them, Mm -hmm. um, what you're really looking for is all of these different tests. You've got scientists that are all internal, all working on different types of testing. Um, We've got external scientists at different companies where we contract for a very specific type of test that we don't want Mm -hmm. to invest in. Uh, in setting that up, we don't and want to overlap. Want to be, you don't want to overlap and
0: you know retest things multiple times if data is already there. I'm assuming.
1: Well, that that's one part of it, but the the other part is is pulling all that data together to be able to make sense of it, right? So uh-huh. you know, if, if everybody's doing everything in Excel, that's cool if you've got a, a, a handful of rows and columns, but mm-hmm. you know when you've got millions of data points on these things. And then you want to start trending them to see, you know, are we actually impacting this disease the way we think we are? You know, what's actually happening within treated with this drug? Um, And you have all these different variables and and data points on that. You know, you you look at something that's a little more sophisticated to pull that data together and then be able to crunch those numbers and visualize it. Because a lot of the data that we're working with is, is sort of secondary or tertiary data where you generate some sort of a measurement and then you take that measurement and you do some calculations on it to actually see what's, what's happening there. And then you compare that to other data and, and kind of piece it all together. And on top of that, then you can add these, these sort of machine learning algorithms and statistical analyses to see what's really happening.
0: So that all sounds really cool and awesome. Now, uh, but with that being said, you put selling and better data management on, uh, as something that you do. So how do you take, how do you sell that for, for, you know, for a software, like for a bunch of, you know, software nerds out there and people that are doing this stuff, how do you go and show that? How do you show like, Hey, here's our process or here's how we're doing something, or here's how we're doing something better and collecting data and making it easier, faster, better, whatever it is.
1: And, you know, how do you go? I mean, how you present that so, so I've worked on both sides of that equation where I've I've done the the selling side and, and building software to mm-hmm. to solve some of these problems, as yeah. well as the the purchasing and implementing side. Um and you know, the biggest thing I think is showing the the value that what you're doing provides, right? And you know, there's a lot of software systems out there that just replace a paper lab notebook where people can take, you know, take their notes and do that sort of thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, from a scientific perspective, there's a certain mm-hmm. level of compliance that goes into it. But that that threshold is pretty low. Mm-hmm. You know, where companies really shine is what additional value can you provide that's different than everybody else, right? You know, and in the scientific space, it's, it tends to be around certain very deep scientific functionalities, um. Where you're really saving scientists a lot of time because these are these are people who are highly highly skilled and um, you know saving them time helps us to be able to save. Uh, can you give me them. a like a can you give me an example of yeah. some really
0: crazy deep scientific process that maybe no one would even understand if you described it? But how <laughs> would you uh, you know what I mean? But no, really, when it comes to because I'm assuming. Um, when it comes to selling some of this stuff, you might be dealing with someone that's not that scientific-minded person, but it would affect that entire staff.
1: Yeah. So, you know, for, for one good example is there's a there's a myriad of software tools out there focused on chemistry uh-huh. and, and chemistry at the molecular level, right? right? So, you know, you can spend just boatloads of money on basically, you know, what we used to do back in the day was you would synthesize a variety of compounds, right? All these different molecules with different shapes and structures and things. And then you would just basically blast, you'd you'd create a test to see what do we think we want to have this do. And you would just blast hundreds and thousands of compounds in this test and see which ones sort of hit. And then you take <laughs> those and start investigating them with your chemists and tweaking them a little bit and seeing what works. So nowadays with software tools, what you can do is you can actually take, you know, the, there's a, a, com, a, a, a compound set that's basically just a bunch of theoretical chemical structures mm-hmm. and you can model how those would interact with any sort of other molecule and basically do a virtual screen. So rather than physically having to make all these compounds put them into tubes and plates and test them. Uh You you could basically just spin up a bunch of servers and analyze how these compounds are interacting with what you're doing. And then you've got your first pass at some interesting things you might want to investigate in real life.
0: Um, There are a lot of guys like you that are both software and scientific minded kind of merged into one.
1: Uh, in my space, there, there are, it's, you know, it's the sort of thing where you're always kind of like, it's a small industry, but, um, but, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I think every company that, I mean, I, I started at, at my current company when we were, you know, 15 people, um, and that was an important part of what they were doing. So it's, it's, it's pretty ubiquitous within the life science space.
0: Uh, what came first for you? Um, you know, like chemistry and biology or a computer? Um you know, I'm thinking back to back to high school right now. Like what was your first computer? What was your first, you know, kind of uh experience with software and technology?
1: Yeah, so it's it's funny. I I always was a little bit of both and interested in both. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in high school I was I was in the computer club, you know, we had a Vax terminal at school that I used to remote into and, and <laughs> you know, I, I my initial program <laughs> in training was in basic in yeah. and Pascal. So cool. Um, you know, I, I mostly wrote password grabbers instead of doing the assignments. Um, so I was always more interested in just like futzing around and playing around with computers. Yep. Uh, you know, for college and in and, and my, my later schooling, all of that, I was scientific. So I started my career as a, a scientist doing biology. And then my love or my interest in computers and, you know, working with the data as a scientist, they just sort of merged and it, it became... Uh, yeah, it just sort of kind of happened organically. So you make a very,
0: uh, a very bold claim uh, with the current company that you're working at right now. Um, <laughs> ensuring ensuring Chasma, uh never needs to go through a digital transformation. How?
1: So uh, I think that's my goal. Here is that I <laughs> mean, Catholic, you never have to go through a digital transformation. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. we were as a company we started.
0: Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this way: before you go into this, like, what do yeah. you mean by that? Do you mean we're going to
1: stay ahead of the curve? Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. That that's my main goal here, both on the IT side as well as on the informatics and data side, is is trying to stay ahead of things so that. You know, when we do want to, when new technologies come out that are potential game changers, we really want to implement this. Mm -hmm. We don't have a giant legacy sort of migration to to, to do that, right? Um, I can't tell you... Well first of all,
0: let me just give you an example in my world right and I'm just telling you this it's very important because it can become such a mount I'm assuming because it can become such a mountain to overcome that legacy piece uh, because I deal with obviously I, well it might not be obvious but I, I help migrate a lot of a lot of companies to off of legacy to cloud solutions and what's interesting is some of the very first cloud solutions that came out um, they built their software and then i would say that they maybe did not continue to stay ahead of the digital transformation because they kept building the software or they kept just adding customers on once they had the software and now you've got other software companies that i feel are coming to the marketplace that are able to be very nimble and run circles around them because they've been so complacent with their development if yeah. that if that has any sort of a uh, you know what do we call this? Uh, if that's kind of metaphorical at all as to what you're talking about, because if you stay kind of behind, then it becomes much harder for you to a, you know, now we've got to build this whole platform because we were behind and we didn't, you know, and now we've got to migrate thousands of customers off of a, uh, I don't know, multi-tenant, multi-tenant environment type of thing. You know, um, I don't know if that if that rings true with you in any shape, form, or fashion, but that's my that's what you made me think of when you said, you know, staying ahead of the curve and making sure we don't have to, you know, move off some legacy system.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's about staying ahead of the curve, and and you know, for us, um, you know, there's there's two sides to that, right? Because one is the the IT side and infrastructure, right? You know, uh-huh. it, we have to migrate from on-premise Active Directory to Azure AD, that kind of stuff, uh-huh, and then uh-huh. there's the the actual scientific data. And you know, on the data side, I've been a I've been a really big stickler about making sure that any systems we're using to capture our data, I have programmatic access such that if we want to move it out, that, that we basically have control over it and we have control over it in a, a way that I can I can program and script it, right? Because an open sandbox kind
0: of uh, open API
1: type of deal. Exactly, it's got to be an open API there, or you know, database level access, or you know, if if not, if it's a multi-tenant SaaS system, yep. can you can you give me can you give me an export and dump it into S3 so that I at least have that data in some sort of a logical format that I can basically manipulate with programming, so that when some system comes out that I want to use this data in, I have the mechanisms to do it, right? So you are in
0: like the perfect situation and like I would say kind of living the dream from an IT perspective. How do you help the other people listening to the show get into the same type of situation as you are that might have executive management that's, I don't know, still has a caller id box sitting next to their phone and a typewriter in the background and i don't i'm just trying to think and a server closet which might not be a bad thing but you know i think you know the type of server closet i'm thinking of uh what would you say to technology leaders or what kind of advice or, or i'm just you know how do how do we stay ahead of the digital transformation or never have to go through a digital transformation how do we start influencing upper management that it needs to be this way
1: um, you know the the one thing that I that I kind of focus on when talking to the leadership team about you know why we're investing in this why we're investing in that is the the value that we get out of it is that we are it's going to save us money in the long run, right? (laughs) So investing a little bit here Uh is, you know, you're, you're, you're spending a little bit today so that in the long run, we're not having to spend a, we're not having a huge major migration project. And that, you know, I'm I'm lucky that here I have a leadership team that's that's been through this before, that they they understand what it takes, you know, when when you're dealing with a giant custom built legacy system and you actually have to move that around, what that looks like. So, you know, I, I'm pretty lucky that my leadership team gets it. But um, you know, I, I think if you can quantify that then that, as to what the business value provides, then that's that's the number one way to to kind of unlock the funds to to keep some of the stuff going.
0: I think, and that's like first grade math. I think most of us can do P&L math and kind of quantify that. But the question is, is how do we quantify it? So how do you break down that, hey, look, if we don't do this now and we wait this long, there's going to be a major migration and these are going to be the pain points. So what are the pain points in these major migrations, I guess you know, data is not going to match up when we move it from one to the other. Fields aren't going to match up. It's going to be major downtime. I mean, what, what what are you? What are some of those
1: pain points? I, you know, I think a lot of that's going to be industry specific, but you know, for us anyway, one of the big things we're you know. At, we're a small company. We're, we're doing early research to try and discover potential new drugs. Correct. And so right now, we don't actually make any drugs because we're trying to figure out what might be a new drug. And so really what we generate, the only thing we make is data. And, you know, when we want to have value as a company from an investor or a partnership with a big pharma or, or somewhere along those lines, the data is going to be the big driver for that. Mm-hmm. So if we as a company don't have, if, if, if we go to work with somebody and they say, oh yeah, let's give us access to some of your data. We want to see this and this. And it uh-huh. takes us a giant migration project and months to pull it together. That, you know, that deal going to go south, right? That's, that's not a lot that, of, that has real business impact if, uh, if we can't get this stuff together. Um, so that, that's a for us, that's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty big uh, ROI for for continuing to invest and make sure that we you know it's, it's my CEO. We can make says,
0: data faster and sell it. But
1: it. My CEO actually just says keep our data house in order. <laughs> 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 That's how he calls it. Um, our- yeah. And, you know and I say, yep, this is what I'm doing to keep the house in order. And
0: from his perspective, what does that mean? Like he can call on any type of information he wants at any time or I mean what is he what does he mean by that?
1: So, you know, unless, it's
0: too, unless it's too confidential. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just asking, like, what would he mean by that? Uh, because I could look at my data house, and, and it's probably not in order because I got, like, five spreadsheets up on the screen right now, and I could
1: probably have you clean up my house. <laughs> I, and we have a lot of spreadsheets as well, right? It's, people uh-huh. work in spreadsheets, and that's the nature of the game. The yeah. key for us is making sure that all of our data that's, that's very important Uh is like you say, it's, it's structured such that it's extensible, it's joinable. And, you know, if we work, if let's say we partner with someone and they, they want a a data dump to go into a system that they're using because they, Mm. they want to view it in their system. How are we going to give that to them? Are we going to dump them a, you know, a a zip file or a, give them a Dropbox full of excels? Cause that's, that's a mess right or we could say okay you know tell us what system you're using and what format you want and we can dump it into you know any pretty much any format because it's it's all programmatically accessible it's all joined appropriately and um, so you know tell us what you want out of this and we can we can put it together for you pretty quickly very nice uh,
0: Ben a pleasure uh, been a pleasure having you on the show uh, let me ask you one final question what would be your biggest and best piece of advice that you've ever gotten, uh, from a technology leadership perspective or what would you, or, or maybe you've never gotten it. Maybe you just have it to give.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I I don't know the exact wording, Uh but you know, one of the, so I don't have a nice, it would be great if I had just like a nice kind of like catchphrase here, but, um, no, but but that's what. But the thing is, though, is you know
0: it doesn't need. You know, maybe it's maybe it's not that for technology guys. You know, it might not be there. There might not be a catchphrase, and that's there. Uh, there is no catchphrase when it comes to
1: technology and the in the in the digital revolution, Phil. And that yeah, could no, be no, no. That's, that's <laughs> you know the, this the, the general sentiment that I that I remember from this that that I've taken and that I think has been a big help along the way is. You know, as a technology person, sometimes I want to just automate everything and build the, you know, the greatest piece of software to do it all and, and do everything. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think one time there was a, a, my boss at the time, had, had, we were, I was trying to put something together and we sat down and he, he basically was like, look, you know, that's all cool, but this can be solved very easily if you just think, you know, you, you don't need to build the Taj Mahal of software to, to solve this problem. Think about how you might solve it in a simpler way. Um, and that, cause as a technology guy, mm-hmm. right. I want to like build all the the coolest software technology and do, you know, mm. manipulate all this and make it really awesome. But, um, but actually just kind of keeping it simple and solving the problem at hand sometimes. Oh, so there is a catchphrase for that. Keep it simple, stupid. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that,
0: that, that, there you go. That, that is the, the- perfect for a guy like me. Um, just <laughs> what, um, uh, I got to ask you then, I got to ask you what that example was. So what was an example of some crazy, complicated thing we were trying to put all kinds of automation in and, and the, the solution was just a simple, like, hey, just do this. Why don't we just do this?
1: You know, I, I don't actually remember what it was. Darn. Um, know. <laughs> You're like, because I'm still automating everything. Um, it sounded I, I nice wanted to time- build a hardware box for something and he was like, you know, you could just plug, just plug into this and, and, and try to do it this way and it's much simpler. <laughs> It, I, 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 think it was something along those lines, but it, it, yeah, I don't remember the exact scenario. This was, this was years ago. Well,
0: super fun. Um, thank you so much for being on my show, and you know, have a, a wonderful day. And when, if you do come up with this, you know, some crazy example with a very, very simple solution, please share it with me so I can say so I can share it with the audience and say, hey, if you're trying to do this really complicated thing, here's the solution. It's much simpler.
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs>